everybody else has intro music. I don't. Maybe I should start. Feeling kind of gunky. I hope this ain't the virus. Coming back. Having trouble stickering these MP3s. Oh, logic. For a pro app, you're kind of amateur. Bye-bye, H&M. Hello, Starbucks. When to move cities. Why have I done it before? Ukrainian class. How was it? Picked up a treadmill. Kind of fits the apartment. I've got another idea. Do I really need any more of these? Thursday, June 1st, 2023. I'm Steven Sersky. Welcome to the new month. All right. Are you happy about that? We're now approaching 21 days until the summer solstice, after which the days get shorter. <laughs> How's that for optimism, right? And I'll tell you, this year has gone by fast. And May was actually a very busy month for me. I know I've uh, complained about it before. I've talked about it before. All self-induced, but now I'm certainly going to be taking, uh, I'm going to be backing off a little bit and working on a couple of these uh, um, motion projects. Well, these uh, Maybe Make Your Movie projects got just finishing up some simple ones, making it nice and easy, nice and quick, uh, so I can move on to the next project, which is basically relaxing just a little bit, <laughs> taking the foot off the pedal. But with this, uh, May, the closure of Maybe Make Your Movie and March Motion and all these creative projects, the creative season as it is, uh, I am looking to... Uh, uh, sort of consolidate some of the gains I've made uh, and possibly extending it to being every week. Now, going forward, whether or not... See, I've put myself into a, a bit of a, a pickle here in thinking about doing these as annual sort of events. Like, is, it so is this something that I can sustain over time? I do wonder. I don't know uh, whether or not I'd be able to do it, uh, mainly because uh, it's one of these things where it does take a lot of time um, and it does make the, the make these months very hectic. Uh, but that being the case, I did notice that. And, and to be fair, this is probably the first year where I had to actually face a full-time job and all of these creative projects and studying the languages. So in that case, this is a first-time experience in actually going through this hectic schedule. I've never done that before. Uh, so... Um, Maybe next year I'll be a little bit more wiser to how to get it done and be a little bit more efficient. Uh, I can say that the music months are a little bit easier to make simply because I can record them anywhere uh, and I think I'm a little bit more proficient uh, in the music capabilities now. Um, video still takes time. It just takes it, it takes more programs, uh, more time uh, overall. Although saying that, I hear the criticisms of going, well, simplify, simplify. And that's one thing that I've actually had trouble doing is that, uh, you know, when you say you're going to make a movie every single day or a video every single day, uh, people, my inner critic, thinks, oh, well, I could do this, I could do that. And then I don't. And so do I get disappointed? Do I get let down by it? Or is this something where I do actually have to tell myself, hey, simplify, get it done, pick one aspect to practice and do that. And when you are picking one aspect to practice, make sure it's not stop motion. I mean, stop motion you can do. I mean, it, it actually, even then, to tell you the truth with stop motion, the stuff that I've been doing where it's, I would say it's a lot smoother than some of the uh, other sort of crude stop motion stuff. You don't have to draw every frame. You can draw every three or four frames. And that way, uh, you, your, your animation... Your animations are, I guess, fewer frames, but you can play, sl slow them down. And so it would be a slower moving 
sort of animation would be a little bit more crude, but it'd still be an animation, it'd still be done, and you can still get the point across. A lot of the, the big animation houses, a lot of other animators uh, who do this more regularly than I do, they draw sort of like intermediate, sort of the keyframes. This is where the idea of keyframes comes from, is you, know, you, you mark out what the absolute position of these characters has to be at certain times throughout the, the storyline, throughout the plot. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to draw all the intermediate keyframes. You kind of you fill those in later once you have an idea of where you want the character to go, what you want the background to be like, uh, and etc. So it's not something to sort of stress over uh, right at the beginning. You sketch out an idea, you storyboard some uh, ideas, you plot out the uh, uh, the major keyframes, and you start filling in all the details, which is something I haven't done. That's something I can uh, certainly work on going forward. Feeling kind of gunky. I hope this isn't the virus, because uh, if it is, I would not be very happy to tell you the truth. Um, my throat is uh, grovelly. Uh, I've been kind of nasally sneezing and stuff like that. So if it's the air, uh, the air cleared up earlier today and it's been polluted for the last couple days. I'm hoping that's what it was. Uh, and I was running outside, of course, yesterday. And then even today I did, I was cycling outside in the morning but I, I was wearing a mask over my mouth so I was breathing through my mouth um, to sort of uh, assist in you know ma making sure I wasn't breathing in just all the, the fumes in either the pollution or the sand I'm not sure what it was but yeah a uh, little bit concerned hopefully it's not the big one but uh, at the same time it is going around uh, and given that I, I know that a lot of my colleagues have had it it's, it's probably just a matter of time before it makes its way over to me anyway. So no, no use of fighting it too much. Hydrate. Don't drink too much. Get your rest. I'd say eat your broccoli. But the last time I did all of this, I still got the coronavirus. So suck it up, princess. <laughs> Hopefully you have some painkillers. Because apparently, I don't know. Actually, to, to tell you the truth, there hasn't been as much uh, feedback about the virus this time as there was uh, the first time. Not many people are talking about it. You hear about it, but then it's over sort of thing. So hopefully it's quick and easy and it doesn't cause too much damage this time. Having trouble stickering these MP3s. Now this is starting to uh, bother me. For those of you who are thinking about uh, getting Logic Pro uh, for the iPad, just be aware that there's, I haven't found the way to sticker the albums. And by that, I mean adding the album art in Logic Pro. You can do this with, with GarageBand. Usually on the export feature on GarageBand, you scroll down to the, uh, the sh from the, the share page and uh, you're able to select a photo that you can use. It has to be a photo. It can't be a file. Um, and that, that's very nice and convenient. But now I can't get Logic to do this. It's not doing, it's not allowing me to choose the album art for the MP3 track. Worst of all, and this really bothers me, it's not writing the meta information, the meta tag. So like my name, uh, the album, uh, the copyright information, and the website or whatever it uh, whatever else there is. The other, pro the other app that I was using, Audiolab, did this and it burned it in perfectly and it'd show up on my website every time I did. Show up in uh, Kid3, which is the uh, meta tag editor I have on my computer. But Logic, uh, Logic Pro on my desktop does, or on my computer does, but Logic on the iPad does not burn in the meta information. So this, uh, probably because it's using the music or the iTunes sort of uh, background software, whatever it is, I don't know entirely, 
uh, or the plugins or whatever, it is not working. And it, it actually kind of bothers me to tell you. So uh, that's uh, something that uh, I'm looking to solve, but it adds an extra little step of complication for my uh, uh, workflow. Logic does spit out uh, waves, but it also only spits out M4As, which if you're asking what's the difference between an M4A and an MP3, M4A is basically proprietary towards Apple. I mean, it's, it's usually it's used on Apple systems. Uh, MP3s is a little bit more uh, generic. Bye-bye H&M, hello Starbucks. So H&M is now closing its uh, San Latune store after it arrived in what, 2014? I guess that was just as I got here basically. Uh, and uh, now it's leaving, which is kind of interesting because on the bike ride to uh, my colleague's place, uh, today to pick up this uh, treadmill that I finally got, um, I was thinking, I was taking a look around, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of feeling like I'm done, to tell you the truth. Like, I'm not really interested uh, to to be out this far. Maybe it's crotchety old me, you know, bike riding around, not wanting to have to deal with traffic and stuff like that, or the pollution. Um, but, uh, you know, how, how's this connect to H&M? The, the idea being that if H&M has left, their flagship store, they're, they're not pulling out of the country. They're, so they've gone down, uh, I was just reading this article uh, at uh, was it the Beijinger uh, that says that they've gone down from 20 stores to 15 stores in Beijing. They still have like 360 stores total in the, in the country. Uh, so it's not like they're leaving uh, the country. But keep in mind, this company has uh, gotten some flack for its uh, um, issues. <laughs> it's it's the ways that way that it has been dealing with uh, criticism, both from inside the country and outside the country. They've been getting it both ways. So I'm actually not surprised uh, to hear that they're leaving. Uh, them and Zara have also sort of uh, decided to pack up some of their stores and everything. So, I mean, it's too bad because I I never shop there anyway. I go to Uniqlo. <laughs> like Uniqlo is my style. Decathlon, my style and my price. Those are the two places I hit up if I want to go to a physical store to actually buy something. H&M and Zara, nah. I think they have more reputation than anything else and a good marketing campaign. But uh, yeah, uh, I think in this uh, article, they were saying that uh, young Chinese consumers wanted uh, more things, like uh, sort of smaller boutique uh, fashion, fashionable clothing. I'm going, I don't know if they do. I think these guys kind of like Uniqlo and Decathlon. I think I think you know, if you go to Uniqlo pretty much any night of the week, there's a lineup. It's busy. I mean, either people are stealing shit or they're actually paying for it in line. But uh, people actually go to Uniqlo and they buy because Uniqlo has cheap clothes that, you know, honestly, for the hustle and bustle of the city that you're going to be in, sitting standing on a subway, I mean, that's what the vast majority of people are going to be wearing. So, yeah, I'm not sure what to say. Too bad for H&M. They were the, the first place I was able to uh, find uh, good-fitting pants um, way many years ago when I was a little bit larger. Uh, but uh, so that they hold a special heart in my a special place in my heart for that reason. Other than that, yeah, I, I can't say that I've really done much shopping there at all, to tell you the truth. And as for the Starbucks, well, Starbucks is going the exact opposite of what H&M is doing. And they're not pulling out. They're deploying. They're opening, I think it was how many per hour? Nine stores per hour or one store every hour? It was some bizarre number where you're just going, where do you even find the room for all of this? Starbucks is opening up a lot of stores throughout the country. They basically 
they're not letting up the fight for this country, for the the, uh, the real estate, not so much the real estate, I'm sorry, not the physical real estate, the consumer real estate. They are making a push and they're investing. They have a roastery in Shanghai. They have a farm down in uh, Yunnan uh, where they actually grow their own beans. So they sort of manage the farm and everything. Uh, they've invested heavily in this country and it doesn't look like they're going to be pulling out anytime soon. When to move cities? So this is a good question. This did strike me uh, today. Was, um, so the guy I met today this morning, I, actually I was up at like 6, 6.30. I got out of bed and I was on the road by 6.50. Um, and I had to go bike over to his place, get the treadmill, load it into the Holala, the moving company, and then take it back um, before work this morning. So it was a bit of a, a, a you know, ex- an exciting start to the morning, but it all got done. It was actually very seamless because he helped me. His, his Chinese is impeccable, um, but uh, he also booked the Hualala, so it was very nice. Hualala is just a moving company that we use here in, in uh, Beijing, and uh, so that was good that he was able to arrange that and help out, um, but uh, I was actually surprised at how sm- small his apartment was, and he had a treadmill, like not like one of the huge gym treadmills, but when I was thinking... Yeah, I'll come and pick it up. I can take it on the subway or I can take it in a cab. He's like, I don't think you can. <laughs> uh, no doubt. He's like, Steve, I, I, I think you, yeah, yeah, you work out. But uh, I don't think you can take this on the subway. I don't think you want to. And he was right because this thing is heavy. Uh, it's like 20 kilos or so. It's the Xiaomi branded um, walking treadmill that they released a couple of years ago. Um I guess he bought it because he doesn't like running outside in the pollution. Unlike me, where I just kind of run anyway and then complain about my chest hurting. He does not. So it uh, seems like a good idea. So we'll see whether or not I actually use it for running. The idea was actually to use it for evening walks while I read. That was that was my plan. Uh, I haven't actually got it working just yet, mainly because I had a bunch of other things to get done. But uh, piece by piece, I will get this. It's not, it's not this. I don't have to set it up. I uh, just want getting it all set up and ready to go. Now, with his departure and on the way to his place while I was cycling there, I was thinking, you know, when do you actually leave a city? What what sort of pushes you away or pulls you away from a certain place? And I go, the other times I've left, uh, it's actually usually been for family, some sort of, usually it's been a wedding. And there hasn't been a wedding in my family for a very long time. Um, I think... Yeah, the vast majority have been weddings. The weddings that, like, my cousins got married, like, uh, uh, over the years and stuff like that. Uh, um, brothers and brothers and my sister. Well, my sister got married a long time ago, but my brothers, uh, they got married later on uh, as well. So, f- family members, it was usually for an extended member, uh, extended family member's wedding that I went, and then I just never went back to whatever country I, I was in. Usually because the, the job that I had wasn't really, I wasn't contracted to stay any any longer. So that so it was sort of that, that dual aspect of things where I didn't have the contract, I didn't, so I didn't really have a job. So if I went back to uh, Canada, and I found this before, and this is why I was thinking of this whole Poland-Ukraine trip before going to Canada, is because I've noticed whatever I've told myself, okay, I'll go back to Canada, I'll see some people, and then I'll go on vacation. It never happens. So this is one of the things that feeds into this idea of when do you move cities? And what sort of made me do it before? Well, when I don't have a contract, I don't have anywhere to go, and I've brought all my stuff with me, like I don't have stuff located, situated anywhere else. It's 
then it's very easy just to stay in Canada, you know, bide my time until the next bright idea pops up sort of thing. So uh, it, it's hard to say. Do you move for money? Do you move for uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife? Uh, do, you, do you move for a job? Um, actually, I didn't ask this guy today why he was moving, to tell you the truth. I'll, I'll get the answer tomorrow. He has a, he's having a farewell dinner. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I guess that's sort of the biggest thing is where I, I just didn't have contract uh, and I had no reason to go back so there's nothing physical holding me there um, be it a person or uh, belongings or an apartment nothing nothing at all so that's that if people ask me what makes you keep moving I go just got nothing else holding me back sort of thing now with this apartment I got a bit more stuff but as I see this guy liquidate his stuff I go I don't know I've been looking around at some of the stuff I have here I could probably liquidate vast majority of this stuff and if not buy it again then at least purge it from the the inventory as it were and start again somewhere else of all fresh and new uh, anyway uh, i anyway i will get this uh, treadmill working uh, i was thinking um it kind of fits in my apartment it kind of doesn't uh, it's it, you know there's it's get there's there's stuff here now there's enough stuff here that i'm kind of going might be time to start uh, getting rid of some of it how's that um, how was Ukrainian class today? So how, <laughs> this was kind of funny. Uh, I don't know. Well, we got onto this topic about, uh, how, how many students this, uh, Ukrainian teacher has. And she has, she had like 13 students today or something. I'm like, that's, that's decent. I mean, that's for uh, someone living in Ukraine. That's a phenomenal amount of cash that you're making. I know that italki pays out differently, though. So they do take about 15% of your uh, your class fee. But I don't know if they pay you until the um, class package is over. Because she did ask about whether or not we were going to meet again next week. And I haven't booked the class yet. Basically because I was looking to take some time off. But I think there's only two or three classes left with her. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but... Uh, 13 students, and a couple of years ago, she was only having five or six students, so it's pretty uh, pretty impressive that she was able to uh, build up clientele like this. But she was recounting how at least one time she had uh, one of uh, an elder gentleman, an older gentleman, ask her to marry her, marry him. And I was thinking, like, I don't think I've ever been asked to marry someone. I've been asked out before as a teacher um, in my younger days. Uh, nowadays, I don't teach very much anymore, so it's like one of these things where I, I'm not in the same situation to be asked out for in a, on a on a social occasion. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure if I would. It's because it, the reason being, I'm like, this is work. <laughs> it's work. Uh, I'm kind of I don't want to say I'm forced into it because I'm not. Uh, it is on my own volition, but it very much is that these conversations that I have, uh, and very much with classes. Um, like, do you value the relationship more or the money more? Or, like, how do you value your client, basically? She, she told this guy, like, she was like, thank you, but no. That's not going to work. Not going to happen. Uh, so we, we sort of traded battle stories of uh, what, it, what it's like to deal with students uh, and clients of different, um, not just age levels, but of abilities. And being able to deal with some of the issues that, uh, students have 
uh, she was saying that one of her students was actually, uh, I always talked a lot of bit about depressed, like depression and stuff like that. She wasn't able to talk about many other things. And I've, I've heard this before and I'm, I'm, I'd have to admit that I'm not a very good person uh, to deal with this because I'm one of these people like, why don't you just fix the problem and get on with it sort of thing. Not always um, recognizing that people need a little bit more. They don't need tough love necessarily. They need someone else to be able to guide them through what they're thinking. And that's where you'd go see, you know, um, um, a psychologist or a therapist or something like that. Therapist Steve, not very good, to tell you the truth. If you want to learn how to do pull-ups and one-arm push-ups and, uh, you know, recite a hundred words in a hundred days or something like that, I don't know, I mean, learn multiple languages, I'm your guy. But uh, emotional support, hmm, I need to work on that skill. Let's put it that way, uh, right? Uh, but uh, so we tried some stories and whatnot. It uh, sounds like she's doing pretty well with uh, italki. Uh, it sounds like actually a lot of my Ukrainian teachers are doing very well, even my Chinese teachers. And she was wondering, like, well, like, would you ever teach on uh, italki? And I, I've, I've looked before at the at what it would take. It's not that so much getting uh, getting listed. It's that if I was listed. Why would anyone buy classes from me when there are so many other English teachers out there? Not only that, a lot, and I was telling her this, the Ukrainians can teach you English. The Chinese can teach you English. But the Indians can teach you English. I mean, there's a lot of foreign language teachers who are multiple, multilingual, with not only their, their native language and a second language, but also English, which they can teach probably in a lot better fashion because they are living proof of actually having learned the language. The native speaker basically is being relegated, as it, as it pertains to English teaching, is being relegated to pronunciation practice. That's, that's basically what it is. And logic, I would say. Pronunciation and logic. And by that, I mean if you are a, a language teacher, um, depending on teaching your native language to someone else, you're probably not going to teach the grammar very well. You might not even be able to teach them grammar, uh, vocab, because uh, the, the vocab teaches, uh, changes so much. But it's going to be pronunciation, and then it's going to be having a logical sort of connection to your argument. What sort of ideas are you conveying? Are you able to speak originally and creatively, rather than just memorizing a bunch of answers that, uh, honestly, anyone could do anyway? And anyone can teach, right? AI could teach it, which... I don't know about you, but I kind of hope it does because it would make things a little bit more easier and a lot better. My idea, to tell you the truth, if I were to sort of approach uh, italki or set up my own online language platform or whatever, not, maybe not platform, but language school, let's call it a school. The idea would basically be to have a dummy Steve, a Steven avatar, that you would practice what we learned in class with pronunciation done by me so it's like video recording but interactive right like chat gpt but with a face machine learned uh sort of uh database but all based on what we've done so that and then put a computer face on it basically even though that you don't really need it you just need the voice that's it basically what you need to have happen is you have to have a a database from which to draw and train the model. You need to have it uh, give it voice capabilities. 
It doesn't need a face, but you can give it a face if you want it to be a little bit more lifelike. But then every class, and this is what I was talking about the metaverse before, how the metaverse could sort of become like this, although that word has now gone almost the way of the dodo. The idea being that you, every class you add to this, and it sort of forces the student to practice what you've already done before. And if it's an app on your phone, basically you as a teacher become a brand unto yourself that has an app through which you can communicate with your student and feed in and teach the AI bot to practice with your student. And then that way, when you get the class time, you up the level. Because students, if you ever learn a language, you, you'd like to think that, oh, well, I could do this on my own. And, you know, AI, with an AI bot, it could take me along the way. Nah. Only, the only things that have ever progressed has been humanity. Like, we've all evolved, okay? We invented the technology. We did it, okay? Don't say that machines are smarter. We made them, right? Animals, I mean, I know someone's going to disagree with me on this one. That's fine. But the idea being that we created it. So with that, we should be able to modify it and improve upon it and push it even further. The things that we created themselves haven't done that at least not in the same way that humanity has, because, hey, as a lion evolves, as dogs have evolved, so humans have evolved, but they're two separate species. They're, they're separate, they're completely. They've never melded into each other, as much as people would like to fantasize sometimes. But it just, it just hasn't happened. Odd digression, I know. Getting back to it. ChatGPT, chat backbone, Database from which to draw the information from or to, to train the model. A sticker a face onto it to make it a little bit more personal. Other than that, your teaching lessons, your brand as an English teacher or a language teacher is going to be your own application, your own AI model, language model with which people can and use, can and will use to practice their language. And they will go to your classes simply to unlock the next level, I guess you would say. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I will talk about this other idea that I have another time because it's kind of interesting, and I think I might actually go through with it, but I'm not entirely sure. It's been percolating in the in the back for a while. For a while, it's just whether or not I actually pull the trigger and I shouldn't say pull the trigger. I actually press the record button and publish. Foreshadowing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.